Well, like I said, we've been in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, before, I'm gonna get, before I get started, though, I just want to share a couple things. One thing, I like superheroes. That's not what you're expecting me to say, was it? I like superheroes. I, I love superhero movies. I mean, don't you? Anybody here says, I love superheroes. Think back to the old, you know, the old Superman, the Batman, you know, even now, now today we got Iron Man and the Avengers and all this, but I love superheroes. I love their ability to swoop in to a situation and set things straight. Don't you love that? I mean, just, it seems like every time there's a superhero movie, things are going the wrong direction. It seems like even with the hero, they seem to be down, but then just when it's needed the most, they're able to rise to the occasion. One of my favorites is, is uh, Superman. I like that picture of him, too. You know, just right, ready to rise to the occasion, isn't he? Just, you know. And it used to be he'd go into the phone booth. And he had super clothes changing powers, too, didn't he? I mean, <laughs> he was able to do that. But I, that's the thing I like about superheroes, that they're able to just right at the right occasion swoop in, fix the problem, swoop out, maintain their hidden identity. All, Although Superman, how did they not know who he was? He didn't even have a mask. I could never figure that one out. But you know what the problem with superheroes is? You know Lex Luthor? You ever heard of that guy? Yeah, Superman's been around. He's been around for a long time. But Lex Luthor is always Lex Luthor. You know, superheroes fail when it comes to... Uh, Frank, I mean, sure, they can stop... I mean, Batman, he can, he can stop the Joker... I mean, he's able to swoop in just at the right time and stop the evil schemes from happening, right? The, the evil genius or the, the, the villain, the, the super villain, right? They're able to swoop in and stop, but they lock him up and what happens? They get back out again eventually, don't they? And have they changed? Have they turned over a new leaf? The villain's still the villain. And as Lex Luthor, he's still Lex Luthor. The superheroes have absolutely, they're absolutely powerless to change the heart. They don't have that power. I mean, even if you had, you know, sometimes we'll have a super villain that's, or a superhero that's got like mind control, but, but it, it's, it's not a real, genuine change of nature who that person is from someone who's a, a villain to someone who's a hero. It just doesn't happen. They don't have that power or that ability. They're powerless to change the heart. But I want to share a statement from Paul the Apostle to you. And I just want you to, thinking about those kinds of things, powerless to change the heart, I want you to hear this. Because we were talking last week about darkness. Remember last week I started off, I feel like there's a lot of darkness in the world, a lot of evil. And I think everybody in the room is like, yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of evil, there's a lot of wrong going on in the world. It seems like there's a lot of darkness in the world. But listen to this absolutely marvelous, amazing statement by Paul. Uh, chapter 5, verses 13, in the first part of verse 14, he says this, But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. And listen to this. For anything that becomes visible is light. Now, I had to chew on that one for a little while. I'm going to be honest with you. This, this, this verse has had me stumped all week. Wow. This, if this is saying what it sounds like it's saying, this is truly amazing. I mean, it's saying that there's something inherent about light that has this ability to genuinely change the very nature of the darkness from darkness into light. Which is interesting, because didn't Paul just say a little while ago, you were once darkness, but now you're light? 
I mean, it changes everything. Light changes the very nature of the darkness itself into this nature of light. So let's, let's take a step back. Let's remember what we were talking about. We're talking about being imitators of God and in chapter 5, verse 1, being like Jesus, this self-sacrificial love that Jesus has. And then we talked about being saints, God's holy or chosen people. And then we got down to verse 7, and Paul said this, uh, verse 7, chapter 5. He says, uh, therefore, do not become partners with them. He's talking about these people that, in being saints, we don't want to partner up with them. And then he says, uh, uh, verse 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so there's been a change of nature in us as Christians. We were once darkness, now we're light. And notice that change of nature results in a change of behavior, doesn't it? Since you've had a change of nature, you were darkness, now you're light. Now you're going to walk as a child. You're going to live as a child of light. There's a change in nature. And then we get down to verse 9, and he says this, For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And he's talking about how light by its very nature is a productive thing. It's it's shining. And that's what we talked about last week. It's good, it's right, it's true, and, and I encourage you right at the very end. I don't know if anybody remembers this or not, but if you went to the nursing home, you remember it. I challenge you to maybe even sing a song on your way to work. What was it? This little light of mine. I'm gonna look, yeah. And we went to the nursing home, we sang it with, with the people in the nursing home, they just loved it. Uh, it was exciting, but that's the thing. I mean, Jesus did not make you to be a light in the world, right? And that's what he says, you're a light, you're the light of the world. And he says, I didn't make you to be a light, I didn't make you to be a light to hide you under a basket, or as we would sing out of the song, out of a, under a bushel. I mean, Jesus has you to be a light to do something specific, to shine. And that's what this is talking about, to shine what is good and right and true. That's what kind of lights we are to be. And so I challenged you last week to be in your little section of the world to be a light that's genuinely shining what is good and what is right and what is true. Verse 10 was kind of a practical advice. He says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And so this is just kind of a practical advice that I would close with saying, hey, when, when you're having trouble in the middle of that situation, how do I shine? You can ask the question, how can I figure out, that's what the discern, to prove or to test, evaluate what is pleasing to God. What pleases God in this situation? And it's kind of a nice thing that you can go with you through the week and say, all right, how can I please God today? How can I please God on Tuesday? Okay, I'm at work now. How can I please God? And that's one of the ways that we can be lights. It's practical vice to see this. But now he gets down to where we're at today. Verse 11. We're getting into verses 13 and 14 is where we're headed. But verse 11 is where he talks about, he begins to talk about, well, what does this actual interaction with darkness look like? Okay, now here's what I want you to think about. I know that when I when you think about light and dark, okay, and they're very different in nature, aren't they? I mean, light is something that emanates from a light source. Darkness isn't something that's emanating from anything, is it? What is where does darkness get? Darkness is just simply the absence or the, the lack of presence of light, isn't it? Light, darkness is the default, what things go back to when light is decreased. Things go back into darkness. And that's one of the things as well that we talked about last week, that one of the reasons why there's darkness in our country today is because the lights haven't been the lights that they should be. And when we see a lot of darkness, the problem isn't the darkness, the problem is the lack of light. And there needs to be more light. And so when we see the darkness, that's why I said we need to shine. But now, here's the thing. What actually happens when when light 
penetrates the darkness. When you flip the light switch, and that happens at light speed, obviously, but what happens when you flip that light switch and light shoots out? What does the interaction between the light and the dark look like? As light, We know that darkness doesn't overcome the light, but the light overcomes the darkness. We get that from Jesus. But what does that actually look like? And I think that what Paul is talking about here is what that looks like when the, when the, the light switch shines into a dark place and kind of in slow motion. What does the actual interaction between light and dark look like? That's what we're going to ask today. See, because when you go to into your workplace, into your home, to wherever you're at in your life, and you go to shine, what does it end up looking like with the people that are there? See, because at the end of the day, we're not really talking about a physical light. We're talking about you as a human being being a light. And the darkness that we see, what's that look? How do we interact? What's the actual interaction look like between this light and the dark? Because at some point, it goes like this, right? What does this look like? So verse 11, I think Paul lays out the first thing that we need to know. Number one, there's no compromise between what is light and what is dark. There's no compromise. Listen to what he says in verse 11. He says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Okay? That's just the first part of verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. And there's something really neat about that passage because, first of all, notice the emphasis on the fact that there's no fruit. Light is a producing type of thing. Darkness isn't producing anything at all, is it? And so we have this this reality, darkness isn't producing. And so he says the unfruitful works of darkness. But notice he says don't participate in them. That word means partner up. Partnership. There's no partnership. There's no like, okay, going hand in hand. Now, the reason why I think this is important, because this seems like obvious. Okay, yeah, clearly we're not supposed to partner up with dark light and dark together. But here's here's where this kind of plays out. Sometimes we'll be in a situation of life. Maybe it's uh, just in your own personal individual life. Maybe it's in a, a family situation. Maybe it's in a work situation. And you're seeing there's darkness there. You're, you're, sitting, you're sitting there going, man, there's, there's things that are not right. They're not pleasing to God in this situation. And I want to be a light in this situation. I'm going to bring what is right here. And especially if it's with someone that you love, you want, you want them to experience what is right and what is good. And some of us have trouble because we because we have such a desire to see them get to the place of where they're doing what is right and what is good. Sometimes we'll compromise on what we know is right. We'll say, I know this isn't right, but if I can maybe do this, I can get, bring about this thing that is good. Now, we've been taught this since we were children, haven't we? It's never right to do wrong, to get the chance to do right. There's, there can't be that participation and partnership. Ultimately, it's going against. And I'm going to explain a little bit more why that's the way it is in just a minute. But we've got to start off right here. Paul says there can't be any participation. There can't be a partnership with darkness. Light and dark don't mix. There can't be a partnership. And for you as a Christian, what that looks like specifically is saying, when I want to see light in a situation, it is not going to come about by me doing works of darkness, uh, manipulating people, right? Trying to finagle the situation, using a little deception. Maybe if I can use a little deception in this situation, I can bring about this good here. I know, and I don't want to pick on people, but I, I think that uh, women especially have a, a, a problem with this. 
They want, especially like their kids or with their family members or their husband. They're wanting something good, but sometimes they'll have a tendency to bend a little bit. I'm, a little bit of deception here, a little white lie here to, to try to bring about this ultimate. I want this good thing here. And so maybe if I can do this thing here. I think sometimes we can even work with the emotions, can't we? And this goes for both of us. Well, I want them to be sorry. And so if I put on this, I'm mad, they'll get how bad they were, and then they can... Do you see what's happening? See, we're, we're, we're going about trying to get that good light situation, but we're using the wrong tools to bring it about. But there can't be part, a part, partnership there. No participating with light and dark. And so there can't be a compromise, first of all, is the most, one of the most important things as we begin to dig into this. But number two, number two is this idea of exposure. Okay? Exposure. This particular part is the, 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 the section of this verse that just has me excited. Okay? As I was studying this, I'm going, wow, that this, this is genuinely amazing. Because we're talking about light and we're talking about exposing things to the light. Okay? Notice the rest of verse 11 says this, but instead, expose them. So don't participate with the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead, expose them. Now that but instead, this, that word, in, in the Greek language, it's a word that means rather. Some versions even say rather. But it's a word that means in a much bigger way. And we've actually encountered this word in other times when Paul was saying, put off this and instead put on this and put off. Here he's using this word again. And he's saying this. Don't participate with the works of darkness, but instead in a much bigger way than you're just not participating and partnering with these works of darkness, you need to expose those works of darkness exposed. So in a bigger way, you're going to expose. Well, what's that talking about? Well, this word expose has a certain verbal aspect. And so I'm going to take you to some other place in the Bible that use this same exact Greek word, but it's translated differently so you can get a better idea of what it's talking about. Okay? And then we'll talk about what does this mean, this exposure. The first one I want to show you is Matthew 18.15. And notice, I see the underlined, bolded word right there? That's the same word that we just read, but rather expose them. Same word, right? If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now think about this. If you think about the word expose, that this same Greek word is being used right there as the word tell. So see, there's a verbal aspect to this, isn't it? And the exposure to the light, there's a certain verbal element possibly. But if you think, if you take the other word expose and you put it into this passage, if your brother sins against you, go and expose to him, reveal. See, there's this idea of opening up of the eyes, illuminating, right? There's a teaching element. It's not just going and telling, it's, it's there's an exposing. It, this is what teachers love to do with their students with truth and, 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 and understanding. When I'm trying to explain something to somebody, I don't just go in there. In fact, uh, kids, kids will say this all the time. They'll have a teacher. They go, oh, he doesn't explain anything. He just tells it to us. But what are they talking about? They're talking about, they love it when you sit there and you, you're like, I'm teaching them and I see they're not getting it. And then I come at it from a different angle and I bring it about this. And then, oh, and then finally I bring it about the right way. And then all of a sudden you see, you'll see them go, right? And I've talked about this before. What do they say? Right? And you can even, usually the facial expression saying, they're sitting there going, what? What? I'm talking, 
I mean, I'm writing, especially right now in geometry, I'm doing proofs. Geometry proofs, and kids are usually... It, I could write up this big proof on the board, and they're looking at me like I'm writing in Greek up there. The whole, I mean, they're just looking at like, some of them have no idea what I'm talking about. They're just looking at me going, what is that? What? And then every once in a while, you'll see one of them I'm doing, and I'll say, no, no, and they'll go, well, what about that? No, 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 and I'll say this, the, the, and all of a sudden they'll go, oh. And sometimes the posture changes. That's what's going on in this word. When when Paul says to expose, it's not just simply, we can't boil it down. This word is just a really cool word. It's a lot cooler than I thought it was when I first read it. When it says to expose them to the light. Here we have it here. Go and tell them. And see, that this this actually then brings more meaning into this verse, doesn't it? Expose, it's not just tell them his fault. Suddenly, it's it, it's there's a teaching. I, I want them to understand there's an illuminating aspect to it. Let me share another a couple of other uh, places. I think I put this one in here, Luke, uh, yeah, Luke 3.19. This is actually talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, and uh, uh, there was Her- Herod, and uh, John the Baptist, this is the hymn here, he says, but Herod, uh, the Tetrarch, had, who had been reproved by him, there's that same word again. One, ver- one, one verse was translated exposed, then we had this other verse translated tell. Notice this one here. So this is kind of a confrontational aspect to it, isn't there? He'd been reproved by him. So Herod had been reproved by John the Baptist. What had John the Baptist done? He had talked about Herod, about uh, uh, this lady named Herodias, which was his brother's wife, who he was now with, and all the other evil things that Herod had done. And so there's, in this exposing to the light, there's, there's a certain confrontational aspect to it. it. It's an illuminating, trying to reveal and show things. It's, a, it's verbal, but it also can be a little bit on the confrontational. In fact, this confrontation itself... This did not end in one sense well for John, did it? Because of this rebuke, where did John end up? He In prison and then eventually what? Yeah, off with his head, right? Head brought in on a silver platter. This is... But yet this is this interaction. There was, there was a certain reproving, re- rebuking type aspect. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 20, we'll see this word again. It says, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them. There's that same word again. Expose, tell, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. What's, it, what's Paul talking about to Timothy? He's talking about those who are in the church and they just keep persisting in the sin. There, there needs to be an, an open Right there, a rebuke. It has that confrontational aspect. The Holy Spirit participates in this. John chapter 16, verse 8 says this, And when He comes, talking about the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus is saying, hey, when He comes, the Holy Spirit, one of the things that the Holy Spirit is going to do is He will convict the world. There's that same word, same Greek word. This time it's translated convict. Convict the world. Expose, uh, illuminate, reveal. See, this word is just, this is a power Packed word, isn't it? There's so many different little aspects and elements to it. Uh, when he comes, he will convict the world uh, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. This is what the Holy Spirit is going to do. There's something direct and personal uh, about light interacting with darkness. And it's, it's not always a pleasant interaction, I think is one of the things we can get from this. This idea of light exposing Darkness. It's a violent thing in some ways. Because the darkness doesn't overcome the light. The light is going to overcome that darkness. 
And we need to understand that as, as you are in a situation, now this doesn't mean that we're trying to be violent. None of these words are words that are in your face, rude. That's not what any of these things are talking about. There's, there's a, there's a teaching aspect that I, I want this person to understand to illuminate them. And so that they might see, they might understand. It's not simply just talking about it either. I think it's interesting how almost all of these passages that we've gone to, if I just go back through each one of these, uh, in the presence of all, so they may stand in fear, or this one here, all right, let me go back to this one here, tell them between you and him alone. There's, with all of these confrontational type verses, there's never the, uh, just going around talking about it. And if we go ahead, and I progress here to, uh, Ephesians 5.12, the very next verse that we're looking at, it says, for it's shameful or disgraceful, even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Now, this is this is this is why this is so interesting. This exposure to the light. Many of us as Christians, when we see things that are dark and we see the darkness that's going on, instead of going right into the situation to try to shine a light, whatever that's going to look like, whether it be just the verbal, it be the has to be a rebuke or it has to be just a confrontation or it has to be an exposure, enlightening. Whether we're going to do that or not, many of us, we don't even get to that point. What we do instead when we see darkness, what do we do? We go over here. Instead of shine, seeking to shine a light in that situation, we tell this person here, you just wouldn't believe how they're, how this is looking. See, one of the reasons why it's disgraceful is because this, this, this is talking about, in one way, it's talking about slander. I mean, going around gossip. I mean, the idea of being a light is to go into that dark place, to go into the dark place, to shine the light, to expose with this, this powerful light of who Jesus Christ is, the true light, as John calls him, and to go into those situations regardless of what it's going to look like. But so many of us, instead of going into that situation before we ever get there, now we, we'll talk like we want to go into that, but what we do instead is we're, we're just over here with this person talking about, I just think it's horrible that this here is going this way, and I just think it's bad. And I just, and you wouldn't believe what they did in this thing here. And you just, I just, oh, and, and you end up just spending your whole time in theory with all the other lights. In theory. But many of us as Christians, instead of going and seeking to try to be a light, we just stay over here and we're talking about it. And what's Paul say? It's shameful. Even to speak of those things that they do in secret. Now, Paul, there's a couple of different ideas of what specifically he's talking about, this, the things they do in secret. But it's just, he's not getting specific. It, this could easily go back to what he was talking about at the beginning of this chapter, uh, the, the immorality, the impurity, the, the greed that we see in others. And he says, we're not to be that way and we're not to participate. But so many of us, as we step away from that type of participation, we're like, we're not like that anymore. God has changed us. Instead of staying in and, and seeking to be a light in the world, we just want to sit there and we want to talk about how bad the world is. And if we're doing that, we're not shining a light. We're kind of missing the point of what it means to be a light, aren't we? I think too many Christians fall into this, and this is one of the right reasons why so many churches are, are considered to be just full of a bunch of judges. Have you heard people talk like that before? Oh, church, just... Bunch of, bunch of hypocrites, like they're so judgmental and critical. Well, one of the reasons because that's what we've been sometimes. We've been, we sit there and somehow get around us and we talk about how bad this is and how bad this is and how bad this, but we're just sitting there critique, 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 critique. Instead of looking for ways to be a light, how can we be a light in that situation? 
How can we turn the light on, so to speak? But this is the path that many of us take in this way. Now, a few weeks ago, I spent a Sunday discussing specifically the impact of words. I don't know if you guys remember that just three, four weeks ago. Talk about the importance of words and sharing the gospel. And so I could easily go back and, and, and spend a lot of time talking about that again because there is that verbal aspect to exposing, right? You can see that. Go and tell him his fault. There's a rebuke. There's a reproach. There's these kinds of things that are going on. And so I can easily go back into that. And I'm tempted to do that again because I love that idea and love the importance of that. But instead, what I'd like to do for the rest of this time is to focus, frankly, on just the brilliance of Paul's statement. Now we're back again to verses 13 and 14. Let's read it one more time. But when anything is exposed by the light, there's that word again, right? But instead expose them. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible, illuminated, that's that word visible is enlightened, illuminated. When anything becomes visible, it is light. Now, we could put it this way, light illuminates. Light makes more light. You can think of it that way. I want to tell you, though, why this is so valuable to you, this idea. And I want to steer your thoughts to the directions of those loved ones in your life where darkness has seeped in. Okay? And so maybe you can start thinking about some people that you know that Darkness, sin has crept in, and maybe it's overtaken them. Maybe it's just ruling in different ways, and you see that working in their life. For many of us, it's not the darkness that's out there. We, we see the darkness in our own families, in our own homes sometimes. We see that darkness has crept in, and we want to eliminate that darkness, not the person. We want to eliminate the darkness that's there, that evil, that sin. We want, to, we want, we want God's light to shine in that situation. And you see, light is illuminating. See, there's hope in what Paul's saying here. There's a, there's a power, there's a superpower that Superman doesn't have to change the heart, the very nature of the people that are around us by shedding light. I want to give you one example in nature of how light makes light. Okay? Uh, this isn't a perfect example. It'll, it'll break down a little bit if I, if I dig too deep into it. I think one of the, one of the greatest examples of light making light I was going to put those. There we go. Light making light is the moon. Does the moon have any light of its own? Well, wait a minute. Have you ever said, have you ever talked about the moonlight before? Anybody ever said that? The moonlight, the light of the moon? In one sense, the moon has no light of its own. It's, it's a reflecting type of light. It is brilliantly bright at night when it's a clear sky, is it not? Especially some days you go out and it just seems like it's closer. There's actually a scientific reason why it seems like it's closer sometimes. But sometimes you go out there and it just looks like it's closer than other times. Just this bright white globe. Shine. And you can walk around outside. Not as bright as the day for sure, but it's illuminating things, is it not? And yet in and of itself, it is not a light. It's, it's a big ball of rock. Where's all that light coming from? The sun. We can't see the sun at that moment, right? But that sun. And so, in reality, the light that we're seeing isn't really moonlight. What kind of light is it? Sunlight. Once again, this isn't a perfect example. I think this, for me, this picture is kind of what we're to be in this world. And it's the sun, S-O-N, right? The sun 
in, in one sense isn't physically present here, but we're still to be lights in this world. And But we understand that the light that we're shining isn't ultimately our own light. It's the true light. But yet, even though the moon is a big ball of darkness, there's no electrical power that's shining any light, yet it, even though it's darkness, its very nature has changed in the light of the sun. And I think that's the same thing that we need to have in our own lives, that we're able to shed and to illuminate. Even though we are not light, we're able to shed light. But the thing is that what Paul's saying, that this is kind of be kind of a chain reaction, so to speak. And the exposure, see, because the, the, the moon, if it goes back behind in the shadow of the earth, it's not shedding any light at all, is it? And so it's only when it's exposed to the light that it becomes light itself. And so part of what we're doing is we're bringing things, we want to bring people out and things out into the light so that they themselves will also be light. That's what Paul's saying. That's what the exposure, we're bringing it out into, just like the moon is brought out into the, the, the sun and it becomes light. Same thing, we're seeking to expose people to the light of Jesus Christ so that they themselves will be light. Now the Bible is full of some, I want to call them militant type words. Okay? I want you to hear that. I'm going to connect these two things together. Uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 21 says this. It says, do not be overcome. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, the word overcome is a military word. It has, it's the idea of conquering. Right? Do not be overcome or conquered by evil, but do what? Conquer, overcome evil. But how do we do it? What's our tool? Good. The light, the fruit of the light consists in all that is good and right and true. God wants you to be an overcomer in your part of the world by being a light. See, the weapons that we fight with, we're not like Superman, but there's a power that we've got that is greater than anything that he ever could have had in this world. We're to be overcomers. Shining a light. I like this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5 through says, For though we walk in the flesh... Physical bodies, don't we? Though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. See, the, you, you get, we get confused so often in the battles that we have with people that we see the darkness in someone and the, maybe the things that they're doing according to the flesh against us. But we have to understand that the battle that we're doing in the flesh, it's not really about the flesh. We may walk in the flesh, but we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have, listen to this, have divine power. To destroy or demolish strongholds. And here's this verbal element comes in as soon as he says this. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And a lot of this passage is talking about within our own self, but it, it applies just as well to how we're interacting and is it being a light that we're, we're taking captive every thought and making it obey Christ. And the, the arguments that we're tearing down, there's, there's this verbal element. It's not, it's not this abrasive like the flesh, you know, right in your face like that. It's more of a, like a light that shines in a dark place. It's what's good. It's what's right. And it's what's true. Ephesians 6.12, we're going to get to this one eventually, says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's easy to forget that. When you got somebody in your life that's living in darkness, it's easy to start thinking, this is about this person, and we just can't get along. And right, But you've got to remind yourself, I'm not ultimately wrestling against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the 
I mean, these words are like, whoa, think about this. Against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, we know that there's a battle going on, and it's not what we're looking at right out here. There's something spiritual happening here. And the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. We are to fight evil with good. One of our most powerful weapons is the Word of God itself. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active. It's quick and it's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is powerful. The truth is we want to win this war. We want to wage a battle in this war, and we want to win this war, to be overcomers against what is evil in this world, and the darkness that is in this world. We want to bring that light. But it doesn't look like it's fundamentally different. The battle itself is fundamentally different than how darkness wages. Darkness looks for the weakness and just fills in when light is gone. Light just stands and shines. Right? I think one of the, the uh, one of the most beautiful pictures of this is found in the Roman Empire itself. The Roman Empire was an empire that was full of darkness. There was stuff going on in, in regular everyday life in the Roman Empire that would make America look like a, a holy land, honestly. There was vile, filthy things happening in that empire. And as Christians in Paul's day began to shine that light, the battle that they waged was not a battle like the world wages. I don't know, the world fought back. And so you see things like this. Roman Colosseums. They got kind of bored with the killing of the Christians. They'd send the lions out, and most of the time that's exactly how they would respond. Just stand there and pray. Being a light. It's not like the battles that the, that the world does, is it? It's radically different. But it's more powerful. That's the thing. It's more powerful. Being a light is always going to be more powerful than darkness. Darkness does not overcome light. It may seem like it. I'm sure that in these moments it seemed like darkness was winning. Here's a, another painting. Her name was, I believe, Perpetua, but uh, the story of her being in the Roman uh, Colosseum and the, the baby that she had um, uh, that was still nursing was, was killed, and she, as a Christian, as a martyr, but that light began to shine. And you know what's interesting about these things? I could show you. I mean, just here's the Roman Empire, evil, vile place. But the light of Christianity, the more the dark tried to fight against it, what happened? The light spread more and more until eventually it overcame the whole empire. But then, when the Christians began to use things like power, you know, the authority. Making right. You know, might makes right. You see the, the, the Roman Empire grab a hold of Christianity and begin to use it to influence and power. We have something totally different happen. You ever heard of the, the Dark Ages? See, the weapons that we have are not the weapons of this world. And when we give in and we cave in, we begin to try to fight the way the world fights according to flesh and blood according to those types of fights and those types of things, 
that's when darkness is really winning. And the fight that we have needs to be a fight that's ultimately one of shining a light. What does this look like? I think that you've got a, a, a spouse who doesn't love the Lord, isn't looking to the Lord for things. I think there can be truth spoken in that situation. And humility. And sometimes it's got to be verbal. I can't participate in this. I can't do this. This is God's money. I can't spend it this way. There's ways that we can begin to say, hey, I, I know that this... Maybe it's a coworker or a friend and the issues of the day are coming up. Maybe it's something like abortion. But you can speak such compassion into a situation like that. Somebody brings up abortion and, and, and it's so easy for us as Christians to say, talk about the, the evil, the, the wrong of it, but... But and forget the compassion, the light, what is good and right and true. Yeah, we can say what is true, but we also have to speak the the compassion and say, I, I'm I'm so full of compassion for for women who who bought into that that lie that that that's not a human, it's not a baby, and have believed that lie. It's not just about trying to make the law and make right, make right and force. It's about being a light, and the only way that real change is going to happen is by being the light. It's not by making it right. It's by being that light in that situation. I think about this comes up all the time with, uh, um, you know, issues that come up, especially in our day. Some else bring up uh, uh, homosexuality and, and, you know, gay rights and all these kinds of things, and, and Christians are so quick to... Uh, and sometimes what we need to do is we need to say, you know, somebody else say, well, do you think that's wrong? They're waiting for you to say, yeah. And so they go, oh, you're so... You can come back and say, you know what? God created marriage to picture Jesus in His church. And I think anything that goes away from that doesn't glorify God. That's no worse than, than someone living in... You know, you know, unmarried couple living together. Because what you're mostly concerned about is the glory of God. And you can do it in a way that's full of compassion. Not judgment. You can be a light in that situation. It's not going to come about by you being brutal. It's about being a light and shining in that situation. But I think mostly when I think about these things, I think about those extended family that we have. We want them so much to see that true light of Jesus Christ. But it's not going to happen by you using the weapons of this world and being darkness. It's only going to happen by you being a light. You need to let your words be filled with hope, with truth. Right? Forgiveness should ooze from your pores as a light in your situation. Gratitude should just fall off your lips regularly as a light. Generosity should be right at your fingertips all the time being a light in that situation. Don't give in and fight. try to fight fire with fire. Somebody's doing the wrong thing. They're, think of those Christians in that Colosseum. Use the right kind of weapons, light, the, the weapons of good and what is right and what is true and being a light. Overcome evil with good. The final quote that Paul shares isn't technically a quote from one specific passage of Scripture. Uh, verse 14, he says, For anything that becomes visible is light. And then he says, Therefore it says, 
Awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, this kind of a uh, conglomeration of different passages out of Isaiah. It's not just one specific verse that he's quoting from. But what I think that Paul is actually driving at is when he says, therefore it says, I don't think he's actually just trying to quote something. He's not saying, therefore Isaiah said. He's saying, therefore it says, and I think what he's really talking about is the gospel itself. See, you don't know what words you might say. You don't know what action you might do in someone's life. You've got those people in your life that you're burdened about and you're looking, you're, oh, they're so caught in darkness, I wish they could see. You don't know what thing you might say that's going to have that same effect when Jesus looked in at Lazarus in the tomb and said, Lazarus, get up. And that dead body came to life and Lazarus got up. So you don't know what thing you might say might have this gospel type of effect in someone's life. Be willing to be vocal, but be doing it in a way that's full of light, full of what is good and what is right and what is true. Not wrapped in selfishness and self-centeredness, but in a sacrificial love the way Jesus is and speaking those words of compassion and gratitude and gratefulness and love and mercy in everybody's life and and bringing those things about. It may require a rebuke, but it needs to be done in a way full of love. Speaking the truth in love. And you just don't know what, what thing you might say might have this kind of effect in somebody's life. You don't know. And you got those people that you love and you care about and you see them headed down the wrong path and you're thinking, oh, I wish I could just turn them around. That, that, that doesn't work though, does it? In fact, you've probably tried that before and it didn't work. That force that doesn't work. But to be a light is the greatest power that God has given us to be a light, to shine the true light of Jesus on this world. We are the light of the world. And you don't know what you say might have that effect. Awake. You may be saying some different words, but the the impact of your words would be like these words. You're speaking to them, and and those words that you say, you may be talking about something totally different, but the words might say into their soul, into their spirit, with the power of God, awake, sleeper, Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. You wish you could just go say those words, don't you? But you don't know what words may have this impact in someone's life. As you choose to be a light, and you shine the light that is good and right and true, and you begin to expose what is dark and speak the truth in love. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, God, I do pray that you'd be with us today. Lord, I know that there are many of us in this room that have those in our lives that we are so deeply concerned about. We see the the path, the course that their life is taking, and we're thinking, oh, this is not going to end well. Lord, we wish we could just go in and turn them around, and it doesn't work, Lord. Maybe we've even tried that, and it, it hasn't worked to turn that life around. We just can't do that. But, Lord, you've given us this to be a light to shine in a dark place. Lord, many of us have get forsaken the light aspects and, and chosen the same methods and means that the world might have and force and, and might and manipulation and, and selfishness and, and trickery, maybe even deception, God. We're trying to get people to do the right thing, but we've, we've compromised, Lord, and done the wrong things to try to get it to be right. and It, it, it never works. God, help us to forsake those weapons and grab a hold of being a light and shining, just shining the light in this world. 
being a light, shedding the light, exposing the darkness for what it is. Lord, give us the strength to be obedient to you in this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.